What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Markets react to the latest developments in Ukraine. U.S. futures and stocks overseas sell off. Global team coverage straight ahead. Treasuries climb, taking 10-year yields below 1.9%. And oil rallies and gold rises to an eight-month high. New York City's subway safety plan begins. Plus, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson lifts COVID mandates in the U.K. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Nets have added a veteran point guard and Michigan basketball coach Jawan Howard got his suspension. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Kara in Moscow, and global stocks are falling this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And S&P futures are lower, down 50 points. Dow futures down 348, and NASDAQ futures down 267. The DAX in Germany is down 1.3%. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds, yield 1.89%, and the yield on the two-year, 1.47%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 4. 8%. Nathan. Well, Karen, the market volatility comes after the latest developments in Ukraine. Russia's actions are being condemned at an emergency session of the U.N. Security Council. At the same time, Russia is accusing the West of inflaming the standoff. Let's get the latest from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Russian President Vladimir Putin says he recognizes two self-proclaimed separatist republics in eastern Ukraine, a dramatic escalation in Russia's standoff with the West. The decrees include an order to send what he calls peacekeeping forces into those breakaway regions, with no word on how many troops will go in or when. Russia's ambassador hit back at last night's U.N. Security Council meeting. We are forced to note the extremely negative role played in all of this by our Western colleagues led by the USA. Instead of forcing Kiev to implement its obligations, they have merely been openly egging Ukraine on. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky urged calm in a late-night address to the nation. Hours later, Ukraine's ambassador to the U.N. warned there will be further invasion. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson is among those condemning the actions of Vladimir Putin. I think it's a very ill omen and a very dark sign. And uh, certainly uh, an indication, uh, yet another indication, uh, that things are moving in the wrong direction in Ukraine. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says there's evidence that President Putin plans a full-scale invasion and it's vital that he should not succeed. Well, stocks are selling off in response to the situation in Ukraine, Karen. Let's continue our global team coverage. Bloomberg's Max Ramsey joins us live from our London bureau. Good morning, Max. 
Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Yes, losses for European equities this morning. Not as bad as we were seeing earlier on in the session when we were looking over loss. Around 2% on the stock 600. So pairing a little bit of that back, but still volatility with the geopolitical headlines and still fairly steep losses down nine tenths of a percent on the stock 600. The FTSE 100 outperforming, but still down half a percent. The DAX leads losses in Germany down 1.3%. European bonds pairing some of the earlier gains as a little risk appetite perhaps returns. The 10-year German yield, though, falling one basis point, 0.198% the yield there. We see more difficulties for Russian assets with the possibility of sanctions. But again, it's not the pain we were seeing earlier on. The benchmark stock index, the MOEX, falling 5.1% today. The ruble continuing its decline against the dollar, but not quite as much as earlier, still down a tenth of a percent, 79.86 per dollar on the ruble. Live in London, Max Ramsey, Bloomberg Daybreak. Max, thank you. Stocks also slid in Asia overnight. Bloomberg's Juliet Sally continues our team coverage with the details from Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell for a third day towards its lowest level this month, including sharp declines in Hong Kong, where Russia-based aluminum producer Rusal sank the most since 2018. Chinese tech firms dropped the Hang Seng Tech Index, heading for the lowest close since the inception of that gauge in 2020. Alibaba leading declines there following a Bloomberg report that authorities have begun another round of checks on its fintech business arm. Gold stocks were bid this amongst the search for havens and yields on benchmark. Japanese and Australian debt film. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg, Daybreak. Okay, Juliet, thank you. The equity sell-off will steepen if the situation in Ukraine worsens. That's according to Goldman Sachs, which says outright conflict in Ukraine coupled with punitive sanctions could push U.S. stocks down another 6% from Friday's close. The bank predicts the worst equity losses in Europe and Japan. Goldman says in a worst-case scenario, a 10% decline in Russia's currency would push oil up 13% and cause a 27 basis point decline in benchmark treasury yields. And speaking of treasuries, Nathan, long-dated yields are falling this morning. Geopolitics are the latest catalyst, but the Fed and commodity prices are also playing a role. We get more from Bloomberg's Joanna Ostinger. Right now, we really have had this drop back in treasury yields, but a lot of that is on the idea it could stop the Fed from hiking as much. Um, you have haven demand, that sort of thing. But then you do have the commodity prices potentially seeing sustained increases. If so, a lot of the question then would be, can the global economy handle it? Will it really start to bite? So if you start to get the inflation in addition to everything else, it could be trouble. But for now, the markets are saying that Treasury yields need to go lower. And Bloomberg's Joanna Ossinger sees risk-off sentiment across the board this morning. Right now, 10-year Treasury yields are at 1.89%. Now we're also watching oil, nickel, and aluminum jump, Karen, as traders weigh the risk of supply disruptions from potential sanctions against Russia. European gas prices have surged more than 10%. Checking oil right now, Brent crude's up 3.7% at $98.92 a barrel. Uh, West Texas Intermediate's higher by 4.8% at $95.43. And gold is trading at an eight-month high right now. Checking gold on the COMEX, it's at 1901.60. Nathan, interest rates are also on the radar this morning. Fed Governor Michelle Bowman suggests that a 50 basis point rate hike could be on the table next month. She told a conference in California it's too early to tell, and Bowman says she favors, quote, forceful action to quell high inflation. All right, turning quickly to the pandemic, Hong Kong continues to battle rising COVID infections, and now Bloomberg News has learned Chinese officials have told Hong Kong they think a lockdown is needed to contain the surge. Sources say the city's government is conceding that some kind of targeted stay-at-home restrictions may be necessary. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 39 degrees in Central Park. Already seeing problems on the westbound Cross Bronx Expressway. We'll have details on that for you in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr is back to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City has started its latest plan to tackle both crime and homelessness in subways. There were more than a half dozen attacks in trains and stations over the holiday weekend. Mayor Eric Adams says the new subway safety plan involves sending more police, mental health clinicians, and social service outreach workers into the subways. Police will crack down on sleeping and smoking in the subway system. However, some advocates are cautioning against criminalizing homelessness and mental illness. Britain is lifting many of its COVID restrictions, including requirements for self-isolation following a positive test. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. We have now passed the peak of the Omicron wave, with cases falling, hospitalizations in England now fewer than 10,000 and still falling, and the link between infection and severe disease substantially weakened. Johnson said the U.K. must learn to live with the coronavirus. Meanwhile, scientific advisors are warning infections will rise. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said his government will retain emergency powers for at least a few more days because of ongoing demonstration threats over vaccine mandates. It comes even after police cleared all blockades across the country. Meanwhile, a group of U.S. truckers is copying Canadian protesters in Ottawa. An organizer says a convoy departs Scranton, Pennsylvania tomorrow. Then they'll head to Washington, D.C. and attempt to paralyze traffic on the Beltway. The federal hate crimes trial of three white men who chased and killed Ahmaud Aubrey is in the hands of the jury. Deliberations in the Georgia case are scheduled to resume this morning in U.S. District Court. All three defendants were already convicted of murder months ago for chasing and killing the 25-year-old black man. Now each could get another life sentence for hate crimes charges. The jury was presented with testimony by witnesses of racist statements the men had allegedly made. Ahmaud Aubrey's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones. I knew from the very start that they were racist. Not, not surprised at all. Father and son Greg and Travis McMichael and their neighbor William Bryan chased Aubrey after spotting him running in the neighborhood two years ago. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Going up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. When the Nets return to the All-Star break, we'll have a new point guard, 35-year-old Goran Dragic, a 15-year veteran, helped Miami reach the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. He started this season with Toronto, went to Oklahoma City, where he asked for and got his release. The Lakers, Warriors, and Bucks were all said to also be interested in adding Dragic. By now, many have seen the video of what happened in the handshake line after Michigan's loss Sunday at Wisconsin. Michigan coach Dewan Howard Upset about a late timeout call with the game decided, and he slapped the head of a Wisconsin assistant. Howard has been suspended for five games. Most felt that was the minimum he'd get and could have gotten more. He'll return for the Big Ten tournament. Syracuse last night, a one-point overtime win over Georgia Tech. There was some optimism yesterday with word that the two sides of the baseball lockout had been meeting for five hours, but when it ended... The word was they didn't really get into the key issues in the stalemate. The deadline for getting the labor deal done and being able to keep opening day as planned will be sometime next week. 
Nine and a half months after Medina Spirit crossed the finish line first at the Kentucky Derby, the horse, who died two months ago, has had that victory stripped. He tested positive for a steroid that is legal except on race day, so Mandelown goes into the books as the winner, only the second time in 146 runs for the Roses, where the winning horse was DQ'd for a banned substance. If you bet on Mandelown to win and still have your ticket, you're out of luck. The betting doesn't change. Oh, thank you, John. Right now, S&P futures are down 44 points. Dow futures down 306. NASDAQ futures leading the declines in U.S. equity futures this morning. They're down 247 points or 1.8%. The 10-year Treasury is up 830 seconds. The yield 1.89%. Analysis of the market moves on the latest geopolitics. Lori Calvacina of RBC Capital Markets joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, cloudy, rain this afternoon, breezy with a high in the low 50s, very mild tomorrow, mid-60s for highs. By Thursday, we'll be back in the upper 30s. Right now, 39 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are sliding along with U.S. stock index futures on intensifying tensions between the West and Russia over Ukraine, a standoff that's causing energy prices to soar and leading investors to seek havens among sovereign bonds. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 29 points, Dow futures down 216. NASDAQ futures are down 204, that's down 1.5%. The DAX in Germany is down 8 tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds, yield 1.90%. The yield on the two-year, 1.48%. NYMEX crude oil is up 4.8%, up $4.34 at $95.41 a barrel. COMEX gold is little changed at $1,900 an ounce. The euro, 1.1337 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3585. The yen's at 114.83. And Bitcoin this morning moving higher at $37,280. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. World leaders are lining up to condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin after he ordered his forces into separatist regions of eastern Ukraine. Global reaction followed last night emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council. Russia, meanwhile, called the forces peacekeeping troops. In college basketball, Michigan coach Dewan Howard has been suspended the final five games of the regular season and fined $40,000 for hitting a Wisconsin assistant in the head during a post-game melee. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Lori Calvacina is with us this morning, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets, as we continue to watch the market reaction to the geopolitics, all the developments surrounding Ukraine. Lori, good morning. Uh, given where we are right now with this definite risk-off move this morning, is this the kind of development, the kind of uh, action that we're seeing uh, from Russia that can trigger a bear market? All right, well, thanks for having me, as always, Nathan. Look, I think that markets have been 
you know, sort of flirting with whether or not we were going to actually enter growth scare territory or not. Um, at our worst day on, you know, sort of the year, January 27th, we were down about 10%. So we hadn't sort of exited that, you know, kind of garden variety correction phase. And we've said in recent weeks we need to take our cue from the market um, that the downside risk to our view is that we might end up in a growth scare, which in the post-financial crisis environment, you know, things like 2010, 2011, um, 2018, when we had the China trade war scare, those all ended up being 15 to 20 percent drawdowns in the market. So that's the kind of risk I think we need to watch for from this crisis. Yeah, we heard from uh, J.P. Morgan saying that uh, we could be at risk of an energy price shock here with uh, oil uh, flirting with the $100 a barrel handle. Uh, what's your view on that, whether we could be at risk of an energy shock on top of all these developments? Well, I think that energy prices do definitely matter, but I do think that's one of the issues associated with this crisis that is at least pretty well understood. So if you look at the S&P 500 energy sector, if you look at energy prices, we've already had a pretty fierce rally year to date. So I think it's a definite risk. I think it's unclear, um, given exactly what level would shock the consumer, just given that we are in this normalization process coming out of the pandemic. Um, but I, I think it's an issue we have to watch. So far, consumers have looked very, very strong. Um, and able to absorb the moves we've seen so far. But I think the broader issue here, Nathan, it's not just energy prices. It's general inflationary pressures that might emanate from this crisis. There are also non-energy commodities that are affected. And we've had a lot of companies in the U.S. that have been counted on margin uh, improvement in the back half of the year, in part because of an, an improvement in the inflation backdrop. So it's bigger than just energy prices. It's bigger um, than just what consumers can pay at the pump. Yeah, I want to get to your view about uh, what can be done about the inflation outlook going forward. But wanted to ask you uh, real quickly, given the moves that we're seeing in the bond space right now, a lot of volatility around yields. What kind of impact could that have on stock valuations? Look, I think that, you know, we, we definitely see, if you look at the 10-year yield, I mean, I know everyone's talking about the Fed, but I think the 10-year yield is a really important barometer um, in terms of what we see happening with positioning for the tech trade in particular. Um, and as long as the 10-year Treasury yield is moving up, that, that creates pressure on the most expensive stocks in the market, um, areas like technology. Now, I do think that We've gotten a lot of, you know, kind of that, that move in the market already. If you look at the most expensive stocks in the market against the cheapest, we're kind of back to pre-pandemic levels or pretty, pretty darn close if you look at the relative multiples. Um, but I do think that's an issue to watch going forward. Yeah, and all uh, with the uh, geopolitics going on right now on top of inflation risk, uh, how does that move the Fed? Do the moves that are happening with Russia right now uh, enter into the Fed's calculation on what it's going to do about rates this year? So, look, we're going to have to take our cues from the Fed on that. We need the Fed officials to weigh in and tell us where their heads are at on that, frankly. Um, I will tell you that as I talk to investors, you know, one of the things we talk about with this Ukraine crisis is there's no perfect template when you look at past wars. We don't think like things like Crimea are a good uh, thing to look at. We've actually been increasingly focusing people on the 2018 uh, escalation of the trade war with China, or really that's the year the trade war broke out. And, you know, what I think is interesting about 2018 is that we had this big geopolitical issue um, that was economically focused. It kind of broke out in the early months of the year. It festered all year and really kind of blew up on markets in the back half of the year. Um, but what we did see was a Fed that had, had concerned investors because it looked like it was going to tighten on autopilot. I remember that word autopilot was really big in the discussion. Um, so that's really, you know, kind of the risk, I think, that we have going forward. Um, 
is just this idea that there's a growth shock out there that could reverberate in the economy, that could reverberate in margins, and that you've got this this tightening issue on top of it. So I think only, we do need the Fed officials to weigh in. Only about 30 seconds left here. Are there haven sectors you look at in, uh, in an environment like this? I think that with this particular crisis, it's very tough to identify them. Um, consumer staples is one area that held up pretty well on Friday, but I have to tell you, we surveyed our analysts last week, and consumer staples looks like it's right in the crosshairs of these risks coming from the Russia-Ukraine crisis. So we'd be skeptical of that one in particular as a safe haven. All right. As always, good to get your insights, Lori. Thanks again for being with us. Lori Calvacina is head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. As we continue to watch uh, stocks slide around the world, S&P futures right now down 19 points. Dow futures down 161. NASDAQ futures are lower by 152 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds right now. The yield 1.91% on the 10-year note. The yield on the two-year 1.49%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Afternoon rain, a breeze today with highs in the low 50s. We'll get in the mid-60s under a partly sunny sky tomorrow. Clouds and upper 30s by Thursday. Right now, 39 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Global stocks are sliding as tensions between Russia and the West intensify. The U.N. Security Council held an emergency meeting after Russia moved troops into separatist regions of Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the very latest. The U.N. has demanded a cessation of aggression, and U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield says this is a Vladimir Putin attempt to set up a narrative for it to invade Ukraine on a larger basis. Russia's clear attack on Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity is unprovoked. It is an attack on Ukraine's status as a U.N. member state. It violates a basic principle of international law, and it defies our charter. Greenfield says the U.S. will announce further sanctions later today. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. The reaction is pouring in this morning to the situation in Ukraine. We spoke with former Prime Minister of Finland, Alexander Stubb. I do think this is actually an invasion. Uh, and if it's an invasion, I think the sooner the sanctions are on the ground, the better. And I do think that Putin needs to be, be hit hard because otherwise he'll continue uh, this type of behavior. Former Finnish Prime Minister Alexander Stubb made the comments in an interview on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, the situation in Ukraine is resulting in major moves in Treasury and commodity markets, Nathan. Checking yields on the 10-year Treasury, it's at 1.90 percent. And oil is also rallying, checking prices now. NYMEX crude oil is up 4.9 percent. It's at $95.49 a barrel. Brent is up 3.2 percent at $98.50. Well, Karen, it remains to be seen how much impact the conflict will have on interest rates. But Fed Governor Michelle Bowman suggests a 50 basis point rate hike could be on the table next month. 
She told a conference in California it's too early to tell. Bowman says she favors, quote, forceful action to quell high inflation. And turning to the pandemic now, Nathan, Hong Kong continues to battle rising COVID infections. And now Bloomberg News has learned Chinese officials have told Hong Kong they think a lockdown is needed to contain the surge. Sources say the city's government is conceding some kind of targeted stay-at-home restrictions may be necessary. Futures this morning are falling. S&P futures down 23 points. Dow futures down 196. And NASDAQ futures are down 144. So they are trimming their declines. And again, the 10-year Treasury up 630 seconds. The yield 1.90%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 39 degrees in Central Park. Still seeing some road work on southbound FDR Drive in the teens. Michael Bars here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. A crackdown is underway on crime in New York City's subway system. New York City Mayor Eric Adams' new safety plan comes after more than six people were attacked from the Bronx to Midtown Manhattan to Brooklyn over the holiday weekend. According to Mayor Adams, the city will send more cops, mental health specialists, and outreach workers into trains. Police will crack down on sleeping and smoking in the subways, but some advocates are cautioning against criminalizing homelessness and mental health. U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the country must learn to live with COVID-19. Johnson ended pandemic rules in England. Levels of immunity are so high and deaths are now, if anything, below where you would normally expect uh, for this time of year, that we can lift these restrictions. Johnson says starting Thursday, people with COVID will no longer have to self-isolate. Jury deliberations resume today in the federal hate crimes trial against the Mott Aubrey's killers. Prosecutors say Travis and Gregory McMichael and their neighbor William Bryan chased and gunned down Aubrey in Brunswick, Georgia, because he was black. Defense attorneys claim they were just concerned neighbors trying to conduct a citizen's arrest. The jury was presented with testimony by witnesses of racist statements the men had allegedly made. Aubrey's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones. I knew from the very start that they were racist. Not, not surprised at all. The man already given life in prison for Aubrey's murder could get life sentences again on the hate crime charges. Closing arguments are expected today in the federal trial of the three former police officers who were with Derek Chauvin on the day he murdered George Floyd. All three ex-Minneapolis officers are charged with depriving Floyd of his civil rights. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan, the Nets are going to try and make some history, be the first team to win an NBA championship in a season where they had an 11-game losing streak. The Nets feel that when Kevin Durant returns and Ben Simmons debuts, and who knows, maybe even Kyrie Irving can play home games, they can win a title, and that's why they just signed veteran point guard Goran Dragic, 35-year-old, 15-year NBA veteran, was a free agent. Several other teams wanted him. Michigan began the college basketball season ranked sixth in the country, Wolverines are just 14-11. Frustration may have contributed to their coach, Jawan Howard, slapping the head of a Wisconsin assistant after Sunday's loss in the handshake line, no less. The Big Ten 
has suspended Howard for the next five games. Many feel the baseball lockout will continue until they reach the deadline of getting the deal done or face not starting the season on time. That deadline is expected to be sometime next week. Two sides did meet yesterday in Florida for five hours, but still said to be far apart on the key issues. Aaron Rodgers with a lengthy Instagram post where he referred to his time spent in Green Bay in the past tense. Rodgers has said he wants a resolution on his future around the time the teams have to decide on franchise tags, and that window begins today. For only the second time in Kentucky Derby history, the horse that crossed the finish line first is not the winner, and it's due to a positive test for a banned drug. Medina Spirit Strip Mandelown becomes the winner. Medina Spirit's trainer, the Hall of Famer Bob Baffert, already banned from Churchill Downs for two years and now a three-month suspension from all racetracks. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thanks. Coming up to 537 on Wall Street, time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Yale Law School will begin covering full tuition for low-income students next fall. Program hopes to diversify its ranks and make obtaining a law degree more affordable. Students from families with income below the poverty line will receive annual scholarships of about $72,000. At the shops and restaurants at Hudson Yards, the mix of stores is evolving. Women's Wear Daily says Louis Vuitton has returned with a freestanding store that opened Thursday after previously operating a shop inside the Neiman Marcus store, which closed during the fall of 2020. With less than a month before a moratorium on New Jersey utility shutoffs ends, more than a million customers are still behind on paying their gas and electric bills, owing a total of $821 million. The moratorium ends March 15th, and NJ Spotlight says unlike in the past, it is not expected to be extended. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Podeskin on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Wall Street second-guessing its support for video streaming services. I'm John Tucker for KTRH in Houston. I'm reporting that union members locked out of ExxonMobil's Beaumont refinery have accepted the company's latest contract offer. I'm Caroline Hepburn, Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the UK preparing sanctions against Russia over Ukraine. How far will Boris Johnson's government go? I'm Ed Corey on WTAA. In Cleveland, I'm reporting Ohio's first tech summit is coming to John Carroll University. Those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's just about 5:39 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The House of Representatives recently passed the America Competes Act, a nearly 3,000-page compendium of trade and industrial policy initiatives aimed at restoring U.S. economic strength and countering China's commercial power. The Senate passed a similarly ambitious measure called the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act last year. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which you'd expect to endorse efforts to strengthen American companies, indeed supported the Senate bill. But its letter criticizing the House bill makes for cautionary reading. The chamber argued that so many market-suppressing initiatives are bundled into the Competes Act, it would actually wind up hurting American businesses rather than helping them. Congress is now attempting to reconcile the two sprawling bills. But it would be better to scrap them both and start over, this time with clearer and more limited goals. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. 
I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures now in the green. Up three points. Dow futures still lower, but uh, pairing some earlier losses, they're now down 35 points. NASDAQ futures down 42 points. And right now the 10-year Treasury is up 330 seconds. The yield 1.91% yield on the two-year, 1.50%. The latest on what's happening with Ukraine just ahead with Bloomberg's executive editor for international government, Rosalind Matheson. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Afternoon rain, a breeze today. Highs in the low 50s. We'll be in the mid-60s under a partly sunny sky tomorrow. Clouds in upper 30s by Thursday. Currently 39 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are erasing their losses. There was some intensifying tension between the West and Russia over Ukraine that was weighing on stocks this morning. It's a standoff that's causing energy prices to soar and leading investors to seek havens among sovereign bonds. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about three points. Dow futures down 40 and NASDAQ futures down 71, well off the lows of the morning. The DAX in Germany is down about two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 1.91 percent. Yield on the two-year, 1.49%. NYMEX crude oil is up 3.9%, up $3.59 at $94.66 a barrel. COMEX gold is down a tenth of a percent on $2.80 at $18.97, 10 an ounce. The euro, 1.1344 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3563. And the yen is at 114.90. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Cameron, thank you very much. Russia is tightening tensions and the threat of war in Ukraine. Russian President Putin sent troops into two breakaway regions of eastern Ukraine that are controlled by Russia-backed rebels. Ukrainian President Zelensky said his nation is unafraid and would cede nothing. Canadian lawmakers have voted to extend the emergency powers for police to quell any potential restart of blockades protesting COVID restrictions. In college basketball, Michigan coach Juan Howard has been suspended. The final five games of the regular season fined $40,000 for post-game melee. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Rosalind Matheson is with us now, Bloomberg's executive editor for international government, as we continue to follow the latest developments surrounding the situation in Ukraine. Obviously, a lot has happened in just the last 24 hours, Roz. Can you sort of get us up to speed on the latest developments? Well, that's right. Certainly, there's been a big escalation from Russia in the past 24 hours. First, the president said that he was going to sign treaties with these self-declared republics in the eastern part of Ukraine, recognizing them as the rightful rulers of those areas, which he then proceeded 
to do. And now Parliament has ratified, rubber-stamped those treaties, which allow for a number of things, including full economic links between these two areas and Russia, the movement of people. But most importantly, it allows the Russians to send peacekeepers, in quote marks, into these areas. Just to clarify, they have not gone in as yet, as far as we have seen, but it allows them to do so and allows also Russia to build military bases there. So that puts Russian troops potentially in very close proximity to the Ukrainian forces on the other side of the line of contact and certainly raises the risk of a full military conflict. And we've heard as well from the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, it sounds like he is calling for a very strong reaction from the West. What's he saying right now? Well, that's right. He's saying, of course, that Ukraine needs further help from the West, be it military equipment, to come in, and certainly Ukraine is pushing for immediate sanctions uh, that probably go beyond what the West is looking for at this point in time. What we're seeing so far in the conversation is limited penalties, perhaps on those who might trade and invest in those separatist areas, because it's still unclear for the West whether this qualifies as the full shebang of a potential invasion and therefore uh, very big bang sanctions that Zelensky is certainly asking for. So that's what his pressure point is mostly today. Do we have a sense of what the West is looking for in terms of what constitutes a full-scale invasion from Russia? If it stops short of uh, something like this recognition of the separatist republics and an authorization for troops to move in, what's the thinking about what the West is looking for next and what would trigger a stronger response? Well, you can see, in fact, that Western leaders are sidestepping all of this today. They're turning them slightly in knots about how they characterize it uh, for that very reason. It is unknown where this goes next. For example, if those troops do go into these areas, that's perhaps one thing. But if they put their boots over the line of the line of contact and engage with Ukrainian soldiers and move into Ukrainian territory, you'd imagine that that would definitely be classed as a full invasion by the West. So at this point, they're still a bit cautious about how they're going to describe it. That would probably be the marker that would change those calculations. So what are we expecting next from Western allies in terms of the possibility of diplomacy? Is there any further track for diplomacy at this point? What are we looking for next? At this point, the meeting on Thursday in Geneva between the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and the Russian Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, appears to still be on. So they'll be meeting in person there, and that will be an opportunity for the West to press Russia uh, forcefully on what's going to happen from here. Uh, but at this point, there's still a lot of difference between them on the security demands that the Russians are putting forward in order to de-escalate and no sign that the U.S. can put stuff on the table that might enable that. At least that will, it will facilitate a meeting and a chance to have a conversation. The real question is whether this does move towards some sort of proper summit between the leaders of U.S. and Russia. So far, we've seen Moscow be very cautious on that. But you could imagine that the U.S. might try and nudge them into actually having a proper sit down at some point in the near future. What are the complications for Europe when it comes to reacting to what Russia's done so far? We think back to the invasion of Crimea, the annexation. At the same time, uh, Europe is pretty dependent on Russian energy. It's it's delicate dance, isn't it, in terms of uh, what what Europe can do at this point? 
Well, that's right. And certainly Europe has that extra element, perhaps more so than the US, of the economic fallout that could come on their own economies if they penalise Russia severely for its actions involving Ukraine. That's particularly the case for countries like Germany that rely heavily on Russia for imports of natural gas. And also their financial sectors could be affected in Italy. The luxury sector could be affected potentially by sanctions. So a high level of caution there about the kind of the ricochet effect on their own economies, which are still recovering from the pandemic by pushing Russia too hard there. So you're probably going to continue to see some differences in how far to push between Europe and the U.S. because of those calculations. All right, Roz, as always, thanks for being here with us. Rosalind Matheson, Bloomberg's executive editor for International Government. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.54 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. Supreme Court ruled against allowing the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccine or test emergency temporary standard. It didn't mean OSHA is no longer protecting workers from COVID. The agency has issued more than $4 million in penalties for COVID safety violations. The IRS is expanding its capacity for processing a backlog of unprocessed tax forms. And the White House decision to tap former NIH chief Francis Collins as the president's acting science advisor signals the administration's priorities in advancing biomedical research. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Joan, thank you. Now another legal item we're watching brings us to the issue of wrongful convictions. There have been several such stories in the news, but what happens to exonerees after they're released from prison? Do they get compensated for their time served? Lawsuits to get that compensation can be a long and expensive process. But now litigation funders are looking to make bets on wrongful conviction cases. And some are willing to provide exonerees as much as $1 million in upfront cash. For more on the development, June Grasso speaks to Bloomberg Law reporter Roy Strom. Roy, in wrongful conviction cases, do the exonerees have to prove their innocence or do they have to prove the prosecution or police did something wrong? They do have to prove that there was misconduct. It's a constitutional tort claim, basically, that their rights were taken away by wrongdoing on the part of police or prosecutors. And it's a pretty tough legal burden to hurdle. About 1,200 exonerees have filed these types of civil lawsuits. And about 51% of those received some type of monetary recovery, and about 27% were unsuccessful. The remaining suits are still pending. Give us a refresher course on what litigation funding is and how much of it there is out there. Litigation funding is basically when investors put money into a lawsuit in a type of deal where they'll be compensated really well if that case wins. And typically, they won't get anything back if the case loses. And it's a very attractive asset class at the moment. It currently has nearly $12 billion in assets under management among a big group of these litigation funding companies.
And that's Bloomberg Law Reporter Roy Strom speaking with June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And futures this morning are now little changed. S&P futures down two points, Dow futures down 58, and NASDAQ futures down 59 Ten-year Treasury up one thirty-second. The yield one point nine two percent, and the yield on the two-year one point five zero percent. Nymex crude oil is at four point two percent, or three dollars eighty-two cents at ninety-four dollars eighty-nine cents a barrel. And Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.